All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, friends beyond the binary, and my patron peeps and all the people beyond the swamp, this is another episode of Behind Otter Things, or a two-part episode, presumably talking about the last two episodes of Otter Things. This will be talking about episode 11, and it's a Monday when I'm recording this uh, in, uh, I don't know, <laughs> it's 2020, I guess. Uh, you think it recorded... I don't know if I recorded the episode 10 last week or the week before, not that long ago. I guess not last week, the week before, the end of la- the week before last. Uh, because now, yeah, the goal is to go back to our normal recording schedule. Hopefully I'll record episode 11 on Wednesday. My, because of Zoom school, there's a lot of parents out there know my schedule is different and uh, <laughs> like uh, offers new opportunities for growth. Uh, so Wednesday has become a more, more important recording that day than in the summer. It was actually a day where I would try to record an intro, but over the summer I didn't even get to record. Like uh, it was kind of a lost day for a while, or the one day I could afford not to record over the summer. But that's no anyway. So. But we'll see. You never know with this stuff. And I did wonder if I'd have enough material to record an episode since I recorded one not that long ago after. Did I record it after I recorded episode 10? Now, you won't hear that, but I just sneezed. So I don't know if you could hear my voice go before I sneezed. But uh, I think I did record it after we recorded episode 10. Maybe I recorded the episode of Behind Outer Things last week. But anyway, we do have a bunch of updates. So hopefully now I'm hoping, I don't think I talked about this in the last episode. So I'm going to talk about two movies a little bit uh, because mo- like I haven't recorded episode 11. I'm almost done writing it. The writing has been going very well. So let's talk about that first, I guess, because uh, as I talked about in the last episode, I do remember talking about this. It's like, okay, I'm going to try to write the entire 12th episode or the last episode of Stranger Things, even though I think it'll be episodes 11 and 12 and kind of get an idea of where the meanders are. And as I did that, I found some pretty large meanders. So it, it does look like I can't make 13 episodes just because of, uh, I'd like to do the re- recap. And I don't think we have space in the schedule for 14 episodes because uh, it has to be done airing by Thanksgiving. Uh, but in the last time I looked, but, but I don't know. Yeah. So the 12th episode might be extra long or this one might be extra long, but, uh, so I did start plotting it out. I watched that Stranger Things episode a few times and then went beat by beat, which I think I talked about in the last episode, maybe. And then I started to go with our story. But I think what I'm thinking, or the way it's looking as far as the writing, what's written, is that this episode 12 will mostly follow Dari and Tefe. And then uh, uh, Francis and Leon, and then episode twelve will probably cover the the youth, along with the you know the epilogue or whatever you want to call it. I don't know. Is that the word? I always get that word mixed up. Uh, so, so it was interesting, kind of looking at the Stranger Things, and then being like, we really do have a lot of opportunities that they didn't necessarily have to expound and, and backstory stuff that they just couldn't, for the sake of interest and timeliness. So it has been really fun because then I was able to say, 
So there's, well, yeah, so it's able to kind of look at, uh, like, uh, kind of what was really tied up quickly with a bow, and I don't know if that's writing or editing with whatever mo- whatever deal uh, Hopper and Modine reach, and really able to tease that interaction out um, and also start to tease out some of Hopper's backstory um, in a way that's just a little bit more expanded than Hopper. But again, I got when I record it, I'll have to make sure I'm staying on time at the same time. So that was one of the questions with writing this episode was like, okay, how do we handle Hopper's flashbacks and Hopper's personal history? Because it's a very strong, uh, raw history. Um, and it's kind of teased at, uh, and then we go behind the curtain in this episode, fully behind the curtain, because it's the last episode, but it's actually most of it's in the first half. And there's really nice payoffs with uh, Hop, like uh, there's just a couple of really nice payoffs. So really well done in the uh, Stranger Things episode. But so that, that one, w- w- to fill you back in, since probably, hopefully you were sleeping and you don't even you say, who's Hopper? Leon, that's who Hopper is. So who's Leon? Leon is uh, Hopper. Oh, wait, Leon is Bull, who is Hopper, because he's a frog. I got that. But so we were able to have a lot of fun with, like, uh, him being a frog. But then it was also, like, in in our story, his uh, emotional journey began well before that. Uh, And it was a little bit tropey for me. Of course, he's the the small-town sheriff that goes off to the big city. And then returns. That's a story that gets told over and over again, even in the movie Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh, so, but in this one, I said, okay, he wants to be a lounge singer. It just fit with the character. And that's how he, when he goes to pursue his career in Riverbottom of being a lounge singer, he kind of loses everything. He loses himself in pursuit of what he thought he wanted. This is before the series started. Like, he was so obsessed with being a a professional lounge singer that he lost his family, lost his way, mainly. And it's something he has to kind of find, at least partially, his way back to, much like Hopper uh, in this episode. So we'll see how that goes. So there's one big question mark that we kind of have filled in. The other giant question mark that we're not totally able to fill in, we kind of were able to have fun with it, was a... So in the Stranger Things, you have this kind of triangle with Jonathan, Nancy, and Steve. Uh, And you also have this way they were able to play with the Steve character, which really was uh, impressive, especially the first time I saw it, but even the last time, where for me, I found Steve revolting. And I think that's kind of how Steve was portrayed. And maybe just a bit of jealousy, because he's very handsome, he has very good hair. And he's very confident, like, uh, but like he doesn't have uh, the first uh, for most of the show. I mean, maybe he starts off likable, but then you're like, what a slime and a sleaze. And then he kind of tries to come back uh, and he's a little bit, uh, he's he's had a defeat. But then, but the level of like uh, the comedy that they're able to put in with Steve to make Steve likable and heroic in a way that was very unexpected. And not fully heroic. Uh, I don't know. And, and and just that he was able to pull off this really funny comedy that kind of called back to other comedies 
um, while still giving Nancy as being the kind of primary catalyst and then Jonathan, uh, like their, their opportunities. So I said, well, how am I going to do that since it kind of Steve is more of a, Tefe is more of a bit of a Steve than a Jonathan, though he has some Jonathan aspects and, you know, Dari, I don't know, I tried to t- pull the positive stuff uh, from Jonathan and put it in Dari along with Nancy's characteristics. Um, so I said, okay, well, what are we, how are we going to deal with this scene? Because it is kind of a three or, or, and then at some point, a four-player scene. And if you just did it as a two-person scene, it's kind of dull. And then there's also there's this big unresolved thing with Barb in the in the Stranger Things series. And so I had some general ideas that I was kind of brainstorming. I said, okay, well, who could this be or what would it be? And then I said, well, maybe it is like a, a spiritual like a being, like a Casper that's there. And at first I said, okay, well, that was just on a sketch. I said, I mean, like when I say sketch, I just mean like not a drawing, but I said, well, like in a generalized idea place, not fully formed. I said, okay, well, that might work, but how would you do that? Uh, and how would you do it without being like a, like, like, a, so I said, okay. And I said, well, how, and then how is this interesting in a sleepy way, like, what is Dari and uh, Francis, or Dari and Tefe doing? So I kind of had all these ideas, and I said, hmm, oh boy. And then over the past couple of weeks, and I'll try to put this as sensitively as I can, but my daughter is 13 years old, and she's been wanting to watch more movies that you would watch around the trick-or-treating season. Those kind of movies, you know, trick-or-treating movies? And uh, I said, okay, well, let me look online to see what would be, what would work. And then how are we going to introduce you to these trick-or-treating movies, you know, without uh, like, uh, like ease you into them and be appropriate. And so one of the trick-or-treating movies I said that I figured out was a good one for her, not every kid. And, you know, this is only, every parent makes their own choices. But there was this movie, there used to be this toy called My Buddy which was a giant toddler-sized doll, and it had the thing, my buddy, my buddy, my buddy, and me. And, like, we never had my buddy at my house growing up, and I think I was a little bit— actually, kids, I knew kids that did have my buddies. But then my brother Ted got one, but he got a generic one that had been— and I've talked about this on the show before. We, My dad called it the— uh, can you see this on a sleep pod? The kerosene kid was what my dad called it because it was so strong. The smell, it smelled like kerosene. And it was probably from Ames, whatever Ames brand toy, like, because uh, that's where, like, most of our holiday gifts usually were from Hills or Ames. Those were the popular stores, I think. Um, like, I think I was like 17 years old when I found out there wasn't an Easter bunny because it was the night before Easter. And it was with my mom doing Easter shopping for gifts, but whatever. Um, but so at Ames, I think, or Hills. It could have been Faze, though. It could have been, could have been, you're right. Those are all like uh, Northeastern. None of those stores exist anymore. Okay, so then there was a, ho- a, a, a Halloween era movie that came out about my buddy. 
and it was named after the my buddy in the show called the, what are they called the fix it up friends or something chucky was the name of this particular doll and the name of the movie was playing with chucky for fun so so much fun i forget oh uh, heroes i don't know what they're called i just watched the movie so i said well we'll watch that my daughter and i watch that movie the original not the remake uh so I'll have to watch the remake. And then we, she said, okay, well, that was a very interesting film, Dad. And it was comedic, and uh, there's some stuff that wasn't like, uh, but it wasn't too, too, too bad where she was like, okay, she was able to get a sound night's sleep. But that must have sat latent in my mind because then I said, okay, then I was trying to sketch out, okay, well, how would... Uh, uh, Tefe, how are Tefe and Dar? Are you gonna get some extra help here that also adds something to these scenes with them? And uh, then I had already sketched out the idea. Oh well, what if it's a you know a spiritual friend, a Casper? And I said I don't like that. There's something I don't like about that. And then uh, this was so this was just like a couple of days ago. I said, what a second. Remember. I said, well, what if it was a doll, like a doll, like because Dari already became a doll. And I said, eh, dolls, like, uh, I don't, I'm not comfortable. Dolls aren't furry and fuzzy. And why would the doll, the, where the doll walked all the way there? And then I thought about it. Then I said, well, remember that movie you watched with my Ch- Chucky, the friend of Funtime Friendster? And I said, oh, yeah. And I said, well, um... Well, remember, Teddy Ruxpin was a character. So what if there was an Adi Ruxpin? Now, Teddy Ruxpin was another type of character around the same time as my buddy. There was also a computerized one, too, which I forget what that one is. But Teddy Ruxpin had a, 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 a tape player built in. It was like your own animatronic. And, and I think I watched an ad of it recently. Oh, no, I guess it was watching the movie, the kid Chucky's Funtime Fun Movie. Going trick or treating with Chucky for just fun. Um, that I said, wow, there was really animated toys back then that were like, I said, what happened to that? Like, uh, everybody talks about all this great technology, but uh, Teddy Ruxpin still seems pretty rad. So then I said, well, Adi Ruxpin makes a nice thing. And Adi, like, uh, so then I said, well, that'd be nice for Tefe's character too, that Tefe has a doll that it, Tefe plays with. And so that fit right in. I said, okay, well, I guess this is a spoiler, but, uh, yeah, then, uh, so Babs, uh, our Barb could in- inhabit a, an Adi Ruxpin and be what the intervention is, uh, instead of uh, Steve, you know, and then also add like some comedy, but it'll also like add a complication to their plans because otherwise it would just be like their plan would be either work or not work right and i think that's one of the reasons i don't know i'm sure they were like hoping to get steve back in that movie but it's also like okay that's kind of not as uh for sleeping it's not as meandering if you just have a plan and then it either works or it doesn't work you say okay well worked oh it didn't work um uh, I don't know. It's it, it, I don't know. It adds some unpredictability and fun. So then I said, okay, this is great. Babs is Adi Ruxpin. Plus Adi Ruxpin just is like very sleep with me. And the idea that Te- Tefe still has an Adi Ruxpin adds a like level and actually adds a level of softness. I guess in some way, like Steve was now like uh, sized down. 
I don't know, makes it at least opens a door for me of possibility that Dari could be attracted to, to Atefe now, knowing he plays with Dot like a doll still, versus to the Tefe that was all macho and, and you know, smooth otter, uh, great hair. I don't know. It just adds a believable possibility in there. Not that they're going to be dating or anything, but just like these are the things, questions that kind of have to be looked at and answered or, or asked. Well, what would to, to, well, what would it take for Dar to even be attracted to Tefe? I mean, she was to the old Tefe, but that was in the high school construct, you know. So, so that just added something. I felt like, okay, and that had something fun. And then again, it added something like, okay, this will really fit in and mess up their plans. And, uh, so the, the, like, uh, it all worked out, it really worked out. Uh, so then I said, okay, then we'll have their scene. Then we'll go back to, uh, uh, Leon and Francis and conclude their journey. Actually, at what, what, what presumably I haven't written this, like they've gotten to where yet another tangent that I found in there of like, how do you search in the upside down in a way that's asleep with me versus how they were searching there? You know, that just feels slightly more homey and comfortable, but also how do we tie it in to, uh, like how does, um, uh, Leon's flashbacks becomes some sort of uh, there's like talked in his flashbacks as a con- an essential connection to what it takes or what is I mean I guess in the show it's not like what actually helps Will but it is like this extra driving force and a payoff uh, with those scenes and uh, the flashbacks it adds some poignancy I guess so in this one, we kind of dulled it down, of course, but it, and, and, but it actually ends up being a clue. Instead of an emotional connection, it's an emotionally driven clue that then gives Francis a piece of information which says, oh, okay, this is where we could look for Willow now. And funnily enough, uh, it actually is connected to when I used to go shopping with my mom, uh, stuff like something I would do sometimes. So. Well, it gets paid off. Uh, so that's like what we have so far with the writing. The other movie I watched in the last week uh, that's uh, connected to Stranger Things, not that to this story, was Stand By Me. Another movie I watched with my daughter, Rated R, I think, uh, so Parent of the Year. But, you know, I'd been reading a lot about the development of Stranger Things, you know, help me. And then I said, oh, well, that was a big influence on them. Or at least it's mentioned, I don't know. And I said, okay, well, maybe I should rewatch that movie. And, and you know, that's kind of, it's like it, it, written based on a story by Stephen King. So I said, well, it'd be good. Another, it's, at least it's in the genre of uh, trick-or-treating movies. So we watched that. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, the times are different now. Uh, but uh, it was really like, uh, it's again, like all these movies are much, those movies in the eighties and the nineties were 90 minutes or 87, 85 minute movies, uh, which I guess would be nice. Like it means that the movie moves, it has to be tight. Like, so, so stand by me when you start to remember it, you say, was that it? And you say, yep. Uh, 
And uh, my daughter did think it like, and, and again, I agree with her. It felt a lot more romantic this time watching it. Uh, and I said, gee, okay, well, it's been like probably 20, 30 years since I've seen that movie. And, and I mean, I said, well, it's either a romantic or an idealized uh, comfortableness and intimacy among friends. I said, it could be either, you could be both or either, uh, either one. Uh, and cause she was like, she's like, and she was like, it just would have made more sense that way. And I said, yeah, I would have, but this, that was a different time too. And I said, yeah, I, I guess like it felt that way. Like, uh, and it was idealized for sure. The, the, like, even if it was just a movie about friendship, you see, man, like, I wish I had friends like that. Uh, uh, or that, like, I mean, not, no, no. <laughs> They came out wrong. Maybe like, uh, wish I was comfortable enough of who I am, uh, to, to give, provide that for my friends and to trust them in a way to be so vulnerable because there's a lot of vulnerability. I mean, there's just some things that aren't great and you say, Oh boy, like, did they, but like, uh, I think each character, maybe Vern is never, I mean, Vern's vulnerable in a, a natural way. But the other three characters really let their guards down of like their weaknesses and and are uh, and caught by their friends. So for a whatever ninety minute movie, they really packed a lot in there. But at the same time, it's very simple and very basic in a good way. Um. So I don't know. So so we did see, so we did see that movie, and I can see how it did impact uh, Stranger Things. I'm laughing just because I'm thinking about my like. Uh, that I, I like, I was my daughter's like, that's it. Like, uh, I see, yeah, I know you're used to, you were, you were raised on movies that were like 120 minutes and longer. Though Little Mermaid is a sub 90 minute movie, so, uh, and it, but I guess that's not, not that's a classic film now by, by definition. So it wasn't, she's not from the Little Mermaid generation. So, like, neither one of those movies is my, like, uh, not that, uh, let's have fun time with Chucky. Uh, some really good acting in that by a youth in that movie, let's have fun time with Chucky. I mean, obviously the acting in Stand By Me gets a lot of, uh, cred, but the, the kid, I don't know who the kid was in Super Fun Time with Chucky, but holy moly talk about showing some range and i mean i i'm not being i'm, I'm serious i guess like even my daughter's like wow like he really is believable so uh i was trying to think of any other points uh so i don't know i guess oh so the like i think maybe one of the things that impacted stranger things was just the journey of these kids but the closeness oh and then also yeah this is what i'll wrap with is uh and we kind of barely scratch the surface of this, but that like friends have difficulties. I think that was another good thing about Stand By Me and Stranger Things is like uh, the defining of the relationship through the hard times and what's on the other side of the hard times or through the uh, disagreements. And again, we're talking about fiction, so this is not really uh, life lessons or anything like that. I'm not trying, like, I'm just looking at it from the consumption standpoint, not from the metaphorical standpoint. Uh, I mean, I guess there's like definitely metaphors and lessons in there, but it's like, oh, when you show that these characters in uh, Stand By Me or Stranger Things have strong disagreements where they're almost separating or where one of them 
has a need or, or, or is on this journey or leading or taking turns leading and saying, no, like I'm still going with or without all of you, like Lucas does in the Stranger Things or Gordy does uh, towards the uh, like, final third of uh, Stand By Me. It's like, no, 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 this is important. Uh, yes, we disagree, but then everybody like, okay. I don't know. I, I think like that was maybe one thing that you could miss or when you think about Stand By Me, you don't think, well, my favorite part was when the kids argued with each other and didn't get along. And I'll never forget, I'll never forget how those kids didn't get, the times the kids didn't get along and had strong feelings and disagreements and wouldn't even speak to each other for, you say, oh, like, uh, but the, obviously the Duffer brothers or someone on the writing team or producing team did. And they said, well, what I remember about Stranger Things, these kids didn't get along the whole time. And that's important to remember when you're telling these kind of stories is that, uh, Kids don't get along all the time, and there's a lot that can be revealed about character or how the characters are going to solve their problems through how they disagree and how they deal with the disagreement. Uh, I don't know. So it's like a whole, like, another tiny layer sandbox. And it was something that just struck me from, like, both of those things. I said, wow, like, uh, I don't know. So just uh, that's like just a little thing to hang your hat on. It's like. yeah, characters don't always have to get along, and it's a good thing. Not, I don't think it necessarily makes him more believable. Well, makes him more relatable, right? Oh, don't show me believable, show me relatable. I forget if that who said that, but uh, I always think about that. I think it was some animator, or head of animation, or Warner Brothers, or somebody said, "Yeah, don't make me things that are believable. Make me things that are relatable." But beyond that, I don't think it's just about that. I think it's like, oh, how do you see, like, uh, makes it more interesting to watch for sure. And it's just really like a level of storytelling and nuance that I said, wow, like, uh, this isn't like a comparative thing, but I said, wow, like, I really learned a lot from having consumed so much Stranger Things and then seeing Stand By Me and being curious, like, oh, well, Okay, I get the general nostalgia and childhood f- adventure feel, but what else did they glean from this? And you say, wow, they really, maybe they gleaned this lesson from it. So that's it for now. Uh, I guess this will be our, like, uh, the, the coming up will be the last half of uh, the last episode of uh, Behind Outer Things. So it's really been a pleasure doing these shows and, uh, We'll see if this is something sustainable that patrons are interested in moving forward, um, where, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll keep making, uh, we'll, we'll keep making these for uh, great British bake off. It'll be totally different. It'll be more of the facts from British bake off, but yeah. So, uh, I'll talk to you soon. Good night. Or actually I'll talk to you in like 10 seconds, but it'll be a different version of me. Believe that. That's cool. Huh? Bye. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and friends beyond the binary, swamp-based beings and patrons, it's time for me to, uh, to, uh, uh try to, uh, it's time for the final episode of Behind Otter, Beyond, what was it, Behind Otter Things? Uh, I think that's what this is called. And this particular episode is being recorded right before episode nine, go, like of the series, goes out to patrons. And in between my recording, 
of episode 12 and episode 13, which I'll either record tomorrow or Wednesday, probably on Wednesday. And then on Thursday, I will record uh, the Otter Things wrap up uh, or Otter Things episode 14, which would be a look back at like it'll be a bigger version of behind Otter Things uh, for everybody that listens to the show more more. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting and sleepy. So here's where we're at. I mean, this is the first time I actually have concrete information. I have no idea how long the last episode will be. But according to the calendar, I think the last time I looked, I do have to get this done in 13 episodes. Uh, I'm not even sure. I, did, I guess I haven't even checked again. I think I double-checked that we'd have time for 14 episodes. I think it comes in right in where we need it to schedule-wise. Like it should, episode 14 should come out right in mid-pre-Thanksgiving, mid-November, which is right when we need it to. I don't know when you'll be listening to this. It'll be far in my future. It's a Sunday, September 13th, I think, when I'm recording this. Uh, who knows what sweet, sweet, sleepy surprises 2020, what years of 2020 has in store between September 13th and whatever I release this. But it'll be the second, this is the second half of... Uh, like we should be talking about episode 11 and 12 and then 12 and 13. So I think this will be the bottom half of an episode, but we're in a good spot. I really, uh, was surprised. Um, I think I, I don't know what I talked about on the last episode. I'll be honest. I have no idea, but recording of episode 12 went really well. It, uh, it was a bit concerned and curious let me just look here i wonder if i have all my writing for episode 13 we're pretty far along in 13 written wise and we finished up a notebook uh francis v modine so what is this 3a 3b bull v tanning bed oh so this was a lot that uh, happened in is this all the stuff that happened in um I don't know. Now I don't know what the difference between episode 11 and 12 was, but basically I think episode 12 was mostly, uh, if I can, if I can recall, because it feels like a lifetime ago since I recorded this, uh, but it was, it should have been, uh, Francis and Bull's journey into the, uh, tower of sorcery and, uh, under the swamp and the world of the, the goose bunny uh, and kind of the upside down, all, I guess all those things. Uh, and I think that's what happened. And they went in there and some nice opportunities that I get because it shows a little bit more languid and maybe well, I, it's like that, uh, in the TV show, stranger things, um, uh, what's his, what was his name? Hopper. Uh, he had, he kind of had this, um, I mean, he's like, I guess, uh, he, he, like, I don't think, I don't know if anybody actually stole, like, he just gave a riveting performance in season one. Uh, but, but I'm, I'm sure like, uh, writing it, I'm sure it was tough to edit it, like, cause I wonder how much more, like how much of, uh. Hopper's backstory was not told or was put on the cutting room floor, or maybe they did like, uh reshoots i don't know because it did feel like uh well it started out the first most episodes we say oh, okay this is man with past uh, he moved away he had something happen uh he's experienced loss and now he's trying to find what it means to be care for a child again 
And uh, and then in the last episode, we get a lot of that uh, information. And just because of the, the nature of that, it was uh, it was just glimpses. And even though it was very impactful emotionally, um, I don't know, we were able to explore it more in a different way and actually like tease it out more of like uh, how he's feeling. And I don't know, it's always interesting for me to play back these uh, tough flashbacks uh, and then be like, okay, how are we going to do this for a sleep podcast and and still make it real, like, or, you know, real as far as a fictional story goes, I guess, true to the character and true to the story, maybe real is the wrong word. Because you say, okay, this is, you can't dance around this. This character also went through something Leon did. He didn't go through the same thing uh, Hopper did. He, he, he's, his was actually more his fault, uh, where, uh, in, in Hopper's backstory, was a event that ha- happened to Hopper and his family that he had to deal with, uh, that was out of his control, which I think it fits that story a little bit better. And that he really couldn't do very much about. Where in this story, our story, Hopper, and again, a lot of this is probably coming from my own subconscious, right? Of stuff I'm trying to work out. But it's like, oh, Hopper is like uh, trying to come to terms with the choices he made and how they impacted his family. And now, though, how you can make different choices moving forward. It's like, okay, what lessons did you learn by those choices you made, consciously or unconsciously? This is all subtextual, but, but I mean, a sleep I guess you do get to be a little bit more on the, indirectly on the nose. It's a luxury I have. And I guess let's see if I can do it in a straightforward way since I'm talking to you about the story. So basically what happened was, uh, 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 Leon, the bullfrog, uh, he like dreamed of, uh, becoming a lounge singer. This, that was his dream back before this, we met him, uh, way before. Was he a good lounge singer? We did. Well, we kind of got some answers in this, uh, episode 12 that, uh, not necessarily. Was he a teachable, was he willing to learn or become the best? I don't know. I think he probably had an ego. And in, like his dream was more powerful than his uh, willing, like the the uh, like his vision of his his career as a lounge singer was the most powerful thing, more powerful than his talent or his career, and it actually probably circumvented the his ability to become a good lounge singer because he was caught up more in the idea of the end result. He was more results-based, I guess, uh, or fantasy-based than process-based. And I'm sure that becoming a great lounge singer, like everything else, is process-based, unless you're, like, one in a billion shots. But even that person, if you really take the time, you say, oh, wait a second, well, I could see where this is actually, but but who knows. But for him, he said... uh, and he had all these ideas of what would make him a good lounge singer. And a lot of that was spending money and moving to River Bottom and starting his career. It also seems like he made this choice a little bit later in life, uh, where some people, before they start a family and settle down, may pursue this. But he had made the decision, which this information, you know, you as the audience don't have, but... uh you know, at some point he made the decision, and maybe it was that. Oh boy, like uh, some sort of age-based crisis to say now I have to, now I have to finally pursue this dream. I mean, this stuff happens in movies all the time. So, 
he did it. And what did it cost him? It cost him uh, his relationships with his immediate family uh, because he was actually willing to sacrifice uh, or sacrifice his presence in those relationships for pursuing this and the consequences of that. And then a lot of other like lower level stuff, like uh, how he was coping with all of that. Not autobiographical, but not autobi, but not very autobiographical. Uh, though, like, uh, yeah, I didn't exactly pursue the. This wasn't my story. I'm just saying that because I know I, get, I know the stuff I get emails about with questions. Uh, but a story I could definitely relate to. Uh, so I said, oh, okay. I don't know a story that interests me and interests me for a character because you say, okay, that is some P-A-I-N. That has some emotional weight. Just like in the real story, it had a lot of emotional weight and impact. It was just different, and I think it was different just because the characters are different, even though this is, this is like, influenced. It's just a different thing. Uh, and then it was just nice for me wherever this story stuff comes from like the layers we were able to uncover so I said okay what do we need to do in this episode we needed to get them into the lab we needed to get them past the gatekeepers or in episodes 12, 11 and 12 uh, and we needed them to make some kind of deal and also I wanted to, to, to wink at the camera with Willow because that is one of the things you say wait a second there's something we don't know as the audience that the Duffer brothers were withholding from us, I think intentionally because it, it like it, my brother and I had a conversation about this. That's why like a, a month or two ago about, well, what is this piece of information? Like what happens when, when, uh, with Leon and Modine and what is, uh, Leon thinking? And when you could think about it, like, uh, did he make a deal for will, uh, 11 L for will. Uh, and you say, well, it would make sense when you see his flashbacks when you say, well, the more we got to know him, it would it make sense. Uh, does it make sense from a story perspective? But then he also gets picked up at the end of episode, the last episode, which to me says, well, I don't know, maybe there's something else at play. And then I, again, I haven't, uh, caught up in episode two, or season two or in my brain does not remember any of this stuff but so we had to get them in the lab uh, which enabled me to have a nice uh, moment uh, to have some fun and time-consuming fun between Mo- max modine and uh, leon as far as like uh just like long drawn out analogies, which is, you know, and, and, and like for him to go on a long tangent about something to try to make a point with Max Modine. And so he tells this really long story to make his point. And uh, I don't know, that, that kind of stuff is fun for me because it just kind of comes up and I say, oh, this is kind of this. OK, well, uh, I mean, it had to develop over. I said, oh, OK, I, this works. And again, trying to fit it in with his flashbacks. And then they go into the world. And I think we had a couple check-ins with the kids, uh, the youth. Uh, though, again, I might be now confused because I'm writing episode 13. But I think so, because I think we got them to the lockers by the end of the episode, right? That's where the episode ended. It did. So then they get into this other world and they explore it. And then we get to... Uh, have some more Adi Ruxpin time. Adi Ruxpin was fun. 
And then we get to get in the thing with like hiding in the clothes and his more flashbacks about the clothes, which, which I also enjoyed. And I thought there was one more long tangent. Uh, let's see. Francis V. Modine. Uh, let's see. We left off with Dari. Uh, journey of Joyce. Uh, oh, whole journey. And hop. Uh, yes, into the world. Uh, tower. We need a little more tower of sorcery. Oh, so it, some of this was also like logistically. Where are they going? Because it's a little bit different on the upside down. It's the size down. Uh, let's see. Some of this is okay. Some of this ends up being part of episode 13. I saw maybe it was 14. Uh, so open up with last time. Then Willow and the squad in a quiet moment. You'll live with us now. Uh, v and LJ getting snacks. Uh, we hid and listened, closeness, uh, humid breath. This is in the lockers. Of course, Dr. Max, uh, lockers opening up. I guess this, oh, this is episode 13, or maybe this is just, uh, oh, yeah, and this is, so this is all the last episode that I'm writing now. Uh, let me see what I have notes uh, from, maybe I'm missing a notebook. Uh, Outer Things 8, yeah, this is... Uh, no, no. Oh, no. This is it. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So we got to do, uh, what's the name of the real song? Tom's Diner. Uh, yeah. So, cause I did want to wor work in as many songs as I could just to be fun. And, uh, I don't know. It just added a little creative challenge. Oh, here's a secret for the last the end of that episode. I was looking for that secret, but I won't tell you now from, uh, the very last scene with, uh, well, I put Willow, but it's, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, Willow, not Emma Otter. Like a velvet, oh, yeah, this is the cloak stuff. Uh, so, yeah, this is a bad, 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 bad bards. What would a bad bard wear? Not a coat or a, coat, a, coat or a cape, uh, a sloak, uh, a cloak, a or a sloak. Uh, yeah, and this is when they're looking for the clothes. I'm actually going in reverse order through this notebook. Uh, yeah, using, so this is Leon's, some, his backstory, birthday, using his birthday money, using the kid's birthday money, them hiding his clothes, um, like his ego is kind of out of control. Uh, everything is almost real. Okay, so this is when they are in the size down. Uh, then that, they, then they start finding the clothes. So it's almost like the, this is like a surreal world. It's a world like it is that kind of tracing paper world between. And oh yeah, I guess I haven't talked about this before. Let me look at my clock here. So uh, yeah, I haven't talked about this in all of the. the, the, the this is a good time to talk about it. So Jeff Vandermeer uh, wrote this uh, trilogy called the Southern Reach Trilogy. And uh, one of them was made into a movie. The movie is a bit different than the first book. Annihilation was the name of the movie. I think Annihilation is the first book. Um, and it's sci-fi. Uh, like, uh, I think the movie's listed as sci-fi and a, like a Halloween, like a seasonal movie. You know what I mean? Like that starts with an H. Uh, and the books are... Um, they're, I mean, I like, this is the kind of stuff I like to re read at bedtime and, uh, 
it just has this, it's just, it is very, uh, it, it's like, uh, it's a very, it's not like sleep with me. Now I'm trying to think because I read all three of them and the first one is very, uh, I mean the movie's based on it. And then the second book I think is, uh, and then what's the third book? Um, I don't know. I get the second and the third book mixed up. Um, but uh, so what was my point? <laughs> so, but, but the first book particularly, which was probably the most popular, I don't know, like, uh, it, uh, I really enjoyed the books of the, but let's say that, uh, they're very, I don't know if they're magical realism because it, uh, but if you like that kind of surreal, magical realism feel, but this, they have a level of intensity. I'll just tell you that, uh, that, uh, that is, uh, like, and it is like a bit like a puzzle box. And what is cool about it is, uh. I don't know, it's just very different than anything. I'm sure there's a lot of sci-fi like this, but for me it was different because there's like, because there's so many mysteries and possibilities. And one of the possibilities is, uh, um, let's see, I'm trying to think of this kind of tunnel being, uh, I, I would call it. But the tunnel being, I don't, I don't know, there's just this level of... Uh, I don't know how to describe it, but, but so it just directly impacted this story because they said, oh, okay, it's not that different than, I guess, the upside down in a way. Uh, and, and maybe that's influence on the show. I mean, it's way different in the story and feeling stuff, but that, uh, wait a second, if you're breaking, like, so in this idea of uh, multiverses, or universes, or even just like interplanetary, like wormholes, all those things. Uh, what if it's not all, you know, science machine based? Like, what if there's an organic element to it? And what would that be? And what would that be like? And uh, what if there's an or like? Uh, I don't know how. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm not doing a good job of describing it. Uh, but basically. There's like this tunnel uh, that they find, that, or, or tower, downward tower, that I, in the book that I that is also a being. But there's also another, I don't know, and, and or is it multi beings? What is it doing there? That's just one of the mysteries in the stories. And what world is it from? Is it part of our world and connected to another world? Is it a bridge? Uh, is it a, like a portal? Um, so I don't know. That, that just is like, uh, one layer that I was like, Oh, this idea of the organic tower. I said, Oh, how would this fit in? Cause it couldn't like, once I, like I read the books a while after I'd seen season one of stranger things, probably after I seen season two, and they kind of forgot about them. But then when I was watching season one again, I said, oh, this kind of like has this Southern Reach kind of feel in some parts. So also, the so then it like helped me too, because our goose bunny um, was different than the, the being that's in Stranger Things and not as like is still an antagonist. 
but a kind of confused antagonist, I'd say, or not an innocent antagonist, but uh, it has a Lenny uh, Mice and Men quality to it and maybe some other qualities. Also, it's more of like this instinctual animal like in our world where we're in a world where animals are intelligent sentient beings with full consciousness and probably like humanoid features like the world of uh emin otter and jug jug band christmas so i don't know it's just layers in there uh i don't oh so it just was like kind of like figuring out their journey into that world uh uh, and then, oh, then we had the whole thing with Adi Ruxpin, which I think I talked about last time, which was just another great opportunity. Um, yeah, so that was like, I'm looking at, I'm just looking at the episode 12 re- review. So then we got the Tom's Diner thing, which ended up being, again, song, is, music is like, and, and when you can play music on a TV show, it has a different part. When you can't sing or play music on a podcast, like I still wanted music to play a part also because I wanted to play a part in the magic of the Dungeons version of Dungeons and Dragons we had here. And in, um, I don't know, it just in, it just in like the, the magical powers that Billy has and in just story and figuring stuff out. Like, just like real songs would help pull people into the moment or out of the moment. So it's kind of like, and, and just also like having some, uh, to emotion, like it's like, oh, how can you in a sleep podcast connect uh, uh, Francis and uh, Willow and experience this deep emotional moment uh, just in a sleep podcast while we're talking in a meandering way? It's like, oh, this song, at least when I'm telling it in my mind, I'm also picturing the flashback from the show of like them at the kitchen table. And instead of like talking about Will's pictures, uh, they're singing this like ver- these versions of made up songs. And then they're f- singing this version that Willow wrote of Tom's Diner, her own version. Like I'm drawing on my paper while my sister, she is rushing. And I'm thinking of my best friend and all of my buddies. And then, yeah, just the love. And when I feel my mommy pat, mom, mommy patting, some me right on my head. Like, uh, so just kind of, I don't know, just fun stuff. And so, yeah, I think that's how it ends with them. Oh, no, then it goes to the lockers. Uh, yeah, so this is our outline. Recap at the high school. Uh, Bull goes. Uh, Francis follows. Dari and Tefe talk. Dari's sad about Babs. Uh, I don't know if I'll see her again. Uh, we got to keep helping. Oh, yeah. So they had one last job. Um, Dari and Tefe. This is just like something tiny thing that I wanted to quote, like a uh, button up uh, from the series was like uh, that, that everything happens. And then at the end, it's like all of the local authority figures are helping after this bizarre thing has happened. So I wanted to, like, give Dari and Taffy a way to, like, help trigger that uh, and trigger kind of, like, the consequences for Dr. Max uh, and his team. And it just also was, like, fun to have them, like, play characters and, and stuff like that. Okay, so that was it for that one. Then episode 13 is basically, I mean, as we'll find out when I record it right, but episode 13 will basically be, it'll start at the lockers. I mean, I'll start with Willow's recap, then at the lockers. They're in the lockers. 
And ideally, like, uh, what they would have to do is, uh, so the, our squad is in the locker. So Billy, uh, uh, Emma, uh, LJ and Vaughn are in the lockers, uh, in the school, the weasels and Dr. Max's crew, you know, Dr. Max's weasel crew is there and Dr. Max. And so they'll have to get out of that pickle. Uh, presumably, like in the show, they'll have to deal with the Goose Bunny. Uh, where will the Goose Bunny end up? That'll be a question we'll have to resolve, you know. And uh, where will the Goose Bunny go? Who will, you know, who will stand for who? What'll happen to Doctor Max? Uh, then what? 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 What awaits Billy? Where will Billy end up? Uh, like all those emotional beats uh, from the TV show. So, I mean, the important ones for me are, uh, like Dr. Max making one last run, emotional run at, uh, Billy, then Billy's friends standing for her when she can't stand for herself. And that kind of being a two part thing of like standing against the adults, then standing against the being, you know, the not nice being or in this case, the goose bunny, uh, then, uh, like, I don't like want to get too far into it, but yeah, then Billy, then what happened, what happened on stranger things is that then L takes over and, uh, puts a stop uh, to the, to the, to the, uh, being at least for season one. Uh, yeah. Uh, then we have kind of whatever you call it, the epilogue or the, whatever the, whatever you say in French. Uh, which we'll probably do a little bit less of because we spend a lot less time with Willow's parents or Mike's parents. Uh, but, uh, you know, we'll check in. I guess I still, so I still have to write that part. I think everything's written up till then. But yeah, so we'll have, uh, I guess, a brief check in of where is everybody now, a few months later or whatever. Uh, and how's everybody doing? Yeah. And then, yeah, just say, okay. And then what it were, the series closes. Uh, so we get a touch of Mike, uh, touch of Mike's family. We get a Jonathan and Nancy touch. And then we get a, a John, well, we get, oh, a squad touch. Uh, so we see the squad playing D&D. Yeah. And then uh, Jonathan coming to get, uh, what's that kid's name? Will. Uh, then we get a Jonathan and a Nancy. Then we get a Jonathan and Will, then a Nancy and Steve. I think we might get one more Mike. It's weird. I mean, we get the immediate after, then the few months after, I guess. Then we get uh, uh, family. Like, then we, do we have any? Oh, I guess because we see Dustin, uh, um, like Dustin and Lucas are playing D&D. So we see that. Uh, uh, And we see the shift in the friendship uh, there. Oh, yeah, then we have a forlorn mic somewhere in there. And then we have the establishing of the, like, the reaffirmation of Joyce's family. And so we have, like, Joyce, Jonathan, and and not only that, like, a reestablishment of the dignity. Again, this, like, tiny theme to me that had huge importance, which was, like, the dignity of the Joyce, Jonathan, and Will. uh, and, and again, like it was saying, oh, okay, well, this is, this doesn't taste good. Oh, who cares? Like we're here together. Oh, do you think we're going to get that? I don't know. Like, uh, it's what's, what's really important. Uh, 
And then we get this two extra mysteries. Like we say, okay, well, we get all is well. And uh, I think maybe before that is when we see Hopper and say, okay, Hopper's still a curmudgeon. Then we see this uh, hint of where Willow or where uh, um, L might be and uh, that uh, L's connection with Hopper. Then, yeah, then we go back to. the family unit, and then we see one last mystery with Will, which is like I had tried, like I'd figured that out in this other notebook. So I got to make sure I don't lose it because it'll be different. But uh, and then that closes that closed out season one, so that'll close out this season for this show. And ideally, we'll launch uh, the facts behind. Like I don't know. I guess I'll probably start recording it because again, I'm working so far ahead. It's just the nature of the podcast. So it's like I'm trying to record these on the weekend. It's like uh, to do the British Bake Off one and start recording those and then see, is there demand for it? Uh, um, And and this, by the time you're hearing this, what has changed is that there'll be this annual option now on Patreon, which makes stuff like this less um, speculative for me. Because, for instance, like if we get whatever, 20% of new $10 pledges for like the months where they're doing the British Bake Off, uh, it'll just make it way easier budgeting to say, okay, this is not speculative anymore. Like, uh, like this is doable. And it also opens up like other possibilities uh, beyond this. Uh, so that's cool. Um, yeah, so that's it. I'm glad you're here. Uh, I really, uh, like, uh, work hard. I yearn and I strive and I hope I can help keep you falling asleep even with stuff like this. Thanks for listening to this, uh, whole new series. It's like a whole new world. Good night.